Welcome to Kingdom Life Church, Stellenbosch. May this life-giving word activate your faith today. Um, so this morning we're going to continue with our series, and this is actually our last morning um, of our series, uh, the series called Volcano. And, um, and how many of you enjoyed this series? Man, and I hope all of you were blessed. Now, our core scripture for this series came from 1 John 4, verse 4, that says the following. It says, he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I love that scripture. I just love that scripture. I don't know about you, but every time I read this scripture, man, it just becomes more powerful and more powerful every time. If you think about it, if you meditate on it, I mean, just think about it. He, the God of the universe, the creator of heaven and earth, lives in you. That's a pause and think moment. You see, the same power that created the universe, that raised Jesus from the dead, are at our disposal because of what Jesus did on the cross. Not because of what I did, because of what Jesus did. He gave us authority to heal the sick, to cleanse the lepers, to raise the dead. That's how powerful it is. But the question is this. Do we believe it? That's the question. And through this series, we spoke about it. Do we really believe that God has given us so much more than we could ever think? Or do we just nod when someone speaks about it? But then we're still struggling to believe this truth in our lives. As I've been looking at the power of a volcano in the last couple of weeks, I really realized how easy it is for us to miss the true power. Now, for those of you, if you're here for the first time, God gave me a word, and I'd be praying in fast time. He gave me a vision of a volcano erupting, and, and God said the following. He said, Henny, it's time for a generation to move from passivity to eruption for me. And I don't know about you, but I want this next generation to be better than our generation. Otherwise, we're missing it. I want the generation to erupt with more of God's power and presence so that we can see more and do more. That we not just hear about revival on the news, but we will see revival in our midst. Revival starts here, when the volcano erupts. Now, most volcanic eruptions is suddenly, if you read about it. Go and read stories about volcanoes. It's, it's quite weird. On Netflix, there's a bunch of volcano stories at the moment. It's like, man, we're preaching about it. So I've been watching all this volcano stuff, and it's quite scary. Um, but most of these things happen suddenly. It's not like people planned it. And, no, no. People have been living around volcanoes for years, and in the old, old ages when people didn't have the science or the, 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 the gauges to see when the stuff erupts, they, they were living there. There was a little bit of smoke. There was maybe a tremor a year or two. But they were so used to it, they never thought this thing will erupt. Until that thing erupted and it impacted people. People died. You see, people got used to living next to a volcano. They got just comfortable. Do we as believers get used to just the God of the church? Do we as believers just get used to, I mean, it's, it's, it's nice, I, we praise and we worship and we listen and we give and we go home and we'll do it next Sunday. And Do we just get used to that? Do we go into passive mode with our relationship with God, like people just living around a volcano 
and not knowing that the sudden impact of the power of this thing that a, that a volcano is harnessing. I believe that we have stepped into a, into a season that, that the sons of God need to stand up. I believe we moved into a season where, where the sons of God need to show God to the world. That the sons of God need to make an impact on the world around them. The scripture, this awesome scripture that Paul says in, in, in Romans 8 verse 18 and 19, it says the following, and then just listen to this powerful scripture. It says, I consider that our present sufferings, and maybe you're going through sufferings, maybe if, if, you, if you just say the word ESCOM, we all go through suffering. I consider that all our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed where? In us. And then he says, For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. The, the creation, the generations are waiting in eager expectation for us to erupt with God so that we can have an impact on the people around us. Or are you still passive, sitting around, Waiting, maybe, ah, oh, there's a little cloud, smoke. Oh, here's a tremor. Ooh, that was nice. No, no, I want to erupt with more of him. So here Paul didn't say <laughs> the glory would be revealed to us. He said that the glory would be revealed in you. Through your life. Your life can make an impact. You see, this is a wake-up call for us. This was a massive wake-up call for me when I was a young man, that I realized what God has been given me, and am I sitting on it, or am I acting on it? That's a good question. See, the glory most Christians are waiting for to receive in eternity has already been given to us. Can I tell you a secret? You have it. You've already got it. When you were born again, God gave you a spirit, a new spirit, and your spirit contains everything. You don't need more faith. You don't need more this. You know, no, no. You don't need more power. You don't need more anointing. You've got it. We simply need to use more of what God has already given us. See, many Christians will be shocked one day when they stand before God and, and they realize that the things that they prayed for, God has already given it to them when they received Him on earth. I don't want to be that one. I want to walk in the more that God has given me. I want you, every one of us, to walk in the more that God has given us. I want to pray and someone get healed. I want to speak and my words will have power of life and death. Just like a volcano, we have power residing on the inside of us. But today I want to end with a series speaking about a topic, and, a, and I know so many of us, this is something we need. And if you catch this today, there will be more power that will erupt from your life, in your daily life, in your daily reading, wherever you go, there will be more power if you catch this this morning. So my topic today is, you are the tipping point. You can tell it to yourself, like, I am the tipping point. You see, some might ask, any, what is a tipping point? Now, there's a, there's a beautiful um, definition of a tipping point, and this is not just a normal um, dictionary definition. It says, the point, a tipping point is the point at which a series of small changes of incidents become significant enough to cause a larger, more important change. Very academic. 
Now, I was meditating on this on a sentence this week, and a question came to mind and said, but what will bring a volcano to its tipping point? Ever thought about it? What is a tipping point for a volcano to erupt? Now, there's a lot of, I mean, there's, there's so many articles. So I went and I started looking up and I started reading some articles, and I came to some science um, journals, and, and I came across the study that scientists were doing in the last couple of years, I think in the last five to ten years. And they looked at the difference between a small little eruption, that there's no explosion, the lava just flows out, and a big, massive eruption. Bam. They looked at what's the difference in this thing. What is the tipping point to take this volcano to a massive eruption? Now, this is quite amazing. The answer was amazing. Man, I read this and I thought, wow. You know what made the difference from a small to a huge eruption? Was something called magnesium crystals. With the flow of the magma that came to the surface through these magma tunnels, they found this buildup of magnesium crystals. And when the magma hit these crystals, I mean, it's like the popping of a champagne bottle. There was a massive eruption. So whenever they found these tunnels, these magma tunnels, that was filled with these crystals, they knew that when the magma hit that crystals, it will be like a tipping point, and the explosion will be massive. So let's ask the question, what is our tipping point for eruption? If you look at the, the natural way of a tipping point for volcanic eruption, what is our tipping point for erupting with the more of God? What will create a tipping point in our lives that will lead our lives to erupt with more of God, to make a bigger impact around our lives, to see the miraculous in our lives? What will be that tipping point? Now, there's a true story. We'll get to the answer later. There's a true story I want to read, and it's a story of a woman, a lady, who was raped, killed, and robbed in 1964 in New York City. Very well-known story. But the shocking part of this moment when she was raped, killed, and robbed was there were 38 witnesses that looked while it was happening for 35 minutes long. Shocking, isn't it? And if you ask why, is why? Because when I asked all those people, why did you just look? They said, well, I thought someone else will make the call. And later on, it became a massive story. And it led to something significant, I'll tell you now. But psychologists actually found it so intriguing, they started doing research on this. And they started doing um, interview after interview, and they realized that if one person sees a crime, there's over a 90% chance of them calling for help. But the more people that witness a crime, the smaller the chance gets of anyone calling the police. And they call it the bystander effect. And because of this bystander effect and the, and the results that they had from all the research, the 911 system was created. For people not just waiting, but just in their home calling. And that's how we know it till today. Isn't it shocking? You see, looking at the story, we can see that crowds don't create tipping points. People do. Sometimes we're waiting for crowds, but God is waiting for you. He's waiting for me. Now, during the last three weeks, we looked at, we looked at lives of incredible Bible characters, um, and, and all of them struggled with passivity, and they struggled with frustration. They even struggled with the wrong perspectives. But you know what? 
God used every one of them to create an amazing eruption through their lives. And they had an incredible impact that we still read about today in the Bible. Week one, we spoke about Gideon. You remember Gideon? He didn't believe that God wanted to use him. He was Gideon sitting in a hole, fearing the oppression of the Midianites. And he didn't believe that God could give him such a great gift and so much power to accomplish anything. But you know what? He defeated 100,000 men with 300. Why? Because he trusted God. He was obedient to God. He just trusted Week two, we spoke about Paul. Remember Paul? Paul had the wrong perspective in God, but he was passionate, but only in the law and religion. Until he met God on the road, <laughs> and it shook his life. He met Jesus, and he changed everything about, around him. He changed his perspective, he changed his attitude, and he changed his passion. And when he knew what he was given... He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. Man, he ran and never stopped. He was incredible. The volcano erupted. And last week, week three, we, we spoke about Peter, the apostle Peter, Simon Peter. He was passionate. He was impulsive. <laughs> and he made mistakes, mistake after mistake after mistake. But you know what? God showed His grace through every miracle He did through Peter's life. Isn't that amazing? Now today I want to speak about Esther. Queen Esther. Now I don't have time to go through the whole book of Esther, but I want to give you some facts about Esther. And when we get to a point where I just want to read a scripture and I want to, I want to speak about that this morning. So a few facts about Esther. The book of Esther is only one of two books in the Bible that was named after a woman. And in that culture where women wasn't celebrated, that is significant. It's very significant. And during the time of this book, the Jewish people were in exile. They were scattered around Persia, all over, because of sin and a lot of other stuff. But although the Jews later were granted their freedom, they remained in exile. Why? Because they didn't want to go back to war-torn Jerusalem. There was nothing left of the city. So they stayed in exile. They got used to it. And according to Scripture, Esther had no parents. She was an orphan, and she stayed with her uncle Mordecai um, during the time she grew up. But Esther was a young and an exceptionally beautiful woman. Exceptionally beautiful. And because of that, she was taken into captivity into the king's harem because the king wanted a new wife. Now, let's speak about that. The king wanted his wife, and one day he had royal guests, and he wanted the queen to come and show them her beauty, and she refused. So because of that, he said, okay, you're gone, I'm looking for a new wife. Thank you. It's shocking, I know. So he gathered all the beautiful ladies from all over um, into his harem, and, and the amazing thing about that is they took a year to prepare every lady to be ready for the king. They bathed them for weeks and weeks along in oils, and it's incredible. If you go think about the, 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 the whole thing that they went through to get the woman ready for one night with the king. One night. So after the preparation, the women are ready, and one by one they spend one night with the king. And it's actually quite shocking morally if you think about it. But by God's grace, it ended up being Esther being crowned as king. She won the king's heart. By the favor, because of the favor of God. 
So after a while, Esther was crowned, and, and then the king had a guy called Haman. He was the second in command. Um, he was the king's advisor. And by one or other way, he got agitated and frustrated with Mordecai, her uncle. And because of, his, because of his righteous values, he wanted to take him out. Now, I'm making a long story very short. He wanted to take him out, so he planned this whole thing to take out all the Jews in the country. But he didn't know that Esther, the queen, was also a Jew. So when Mordecai heard of this, he put on sackcloth, he started mourning, and he was walking into the city, and as he was coming close to the gates of the palace and into the palace courts, Esther saw Mordecai, and she knew that there was a law that says, you are not allowed to wear clothes of mourning in the palace courts. So she made a plan. She quickly took one of her servants, took some clothes, and ran. She said, go to Mordecai, ask him, what's going on with you, and why are you wearing this? Here's some clothes. Put it on. You're going to be killed. So Mordecai sends this message back to her, and this is what I want to get to. So let's read this together. In Esther 4, verse 8 to 14, we're going to read all of it. It says, Mordecai gave Hattash a copy of the decree issued by Susa that called for the death of all Jews. He asked Hattash to show it to Esther and explain the situation to her. He also asked Hattash to direct her to go to the king to beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hattash returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hattash to go back and reply the message to Mordecai and said, All the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in, in, in his inner courts without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out the gold scepter. And the king has not called for me to come to him for 30 days. So Hattash gave Esther's message to Mordecai. Mordecai sent a reply to Esther, and I love this. He says, don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace that you will escape when all other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the, Jew, for, for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this? Who knows that maybe you were made for such a time as this to bring change, to make an impact, to do something for God. Forget about your, your, who you are and what you struggle with and what your insecurities is. Maybe this is your time. So God in, ended up using these two people in a powerful way. Esther said, okay, you go and pray and fast. Tell the people to pray and fast. Me and my servants will pray and fast, and I will go to the king. And ended up, long story short, she went to the king. He saw, he looked favorably upon her, he showed the scepter, and at the end of it, Haman hang on the, whole, the same guillotines that he was preparing for Mordecai. But the power of this story is this. God used a woman who lost everything. She lost her parents. She lost her country. She lost her freedom. She even lost her virginity. And yet God came and he returned everything plus more to her. You see, God used a woman who was supposed to be powerless. And due to her culture, she was powerless. No woman could receive any honor. Due to her, her gender, she was powerless. Due to her circumstances, she was powerless. But you know what God did? 
he made her a heron. She was a hero. And, and for years and years, the Jewish people still celebrate the feast of Paran, speaking about the story of Esther, remembering what God has done for them because he saved a whole nation because of her. You see, this was a tipping point in the history of the Jewish nation. A tipping point because of one woman and one man. And it was an important part of the history of the Jewish nation for years to come. Like Esther, we all are made powerful and we are made for a time like this. It's time to step up. It's time to step forward. It's time to not be, ah, you know, someone else will make the call. We need to make that call. We can't miss this. It is, it is one of the most important gifts God gave us here on earth. We can't miss this. See, we are called to erupt with more of God and called to bring about a tipping point in our families. You are called to bring a tipping point in your work environment. You are called to bring a tipping point in your schools, in the social um, groups where you are, are walking in. We are called to bring a tipping point in Stellenbosch. And listen, we are called to bring a tipping point in this nation. I don't know about you, but we need to make a change. We need to bring that change. We are the change. Revival starts here, within us. That's what the scripture says. Now, Malcolm Gladwell is a guy who, who wrote a book called The Tipping Point. And as I started reading this book, and if you ever want to read a fantastic book, read this book. And in this book, he defines a tipping point from a biblical perspective. Listen to this. It says, A tipping point is a place where the unexpected becomes expected where radical change is more than a possibility. It is, contrary to our expectations, a certainty. Powerful, isn't it? See, God has called us to change the unexpected, to be expected for radical change. And a change that will impact the generation to erupt with more of God. Esther was standing in front of a Kairos moment. Do you know what a Kairos moment is? A Kairos moment, it means that when you are facing an opportune time, almost a time of harvest. A Kairos moment is when divine favor meets divine opportunity. Let me just say that again. A Kairos time or Kairos moment is when divine favor meets divine opportunity. How many of us know that we are in a time of divine opportunity? And you know what? We have divine favor, permanent with God. We are in favor with our King as sons of God. We are in a Kairos moment. I don't know about you and if you've noticed, but our country are in a Kairos moment at the moment. The Church of South Africa are in a Kairos moment. Divine favor will meet divine opportunity. You see, we can't afford to miss the season of arrival. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss the season of arrival. So, so what can we learn from Esther's story if we look at this? What can we learn today listening to the story? How can I apply this to my life? Now, if you look through history, when tipping point moments happened, all of them got three common things. Three common things of all tipping points through history. I'm going to quickly go through that. Number one, 
It is a time of desperation. How desperate are you? You see, every shift that happened in our society happened because people were desperate for change. Every shift. How desperate are you for change in your workplace, in your family, in in wherever you go? How desperate are you for change? See, Mordecai and Esther were desperate. (laughs) Their lives hanged uh, in the balance. How desperate would we become if our lives hang in the balance? If we know that you will be killed next week, how desperate will you be to change things in your life? You see, when apartheid happened in this country, desperate people stood up together. And they created a tipping point, and God did a miracle. Now, we're still working through some stuff, but God still did a miracle. Isn't that amazing? A tipping point. People were desperate. So when things shift and good things are the outcome, it always comes from a time of desperation. How desperate are we? Gideon, come on. Gideon was a desperate man under a tree, facing oppression of the Midianites, but he was one man. Moses, Moses had to stand up against 400 years of oppression of the Egyptians. 400 years, but he was one man. Nehemiah, (laughs) he had to stand up and build a city wall that was destroyed and broken 114 years ago. One man. And God sent Jesus when desperation was at his peak for a Messiah. He was one man, but yes, he was God. How desperate are we to see more of God's presence? and power in this generation. How desperate are you to make that change? Number two, a tipping point happens when someone is fed up, filled up, and fired up. Again, if you look through ministry, there has always been a tipping point that leads to change when people are fed up. I'm just fed up. I'm over it. I'm done. We're going to make a change. There's so many stories of people who are just fed up. But you know what? We as Christians, as believers, as children of God, as sons of God, we can't stay at fed up. Otherwise, we will miss God. We need to be filled up with Him so that He can fire us up and that the volcano can erupt. So don't just stay at fed up. I know most of us are also fed up because of ESCOM. But let God fill you up so that you can be a light to the nations. <laughs> let God gives us wisdom how to be fired up or how to fire things up. We need to be filled up. Let's not just stay fed up, but let's trust God to be filled up and to make a godly impact, to be the tipping point for a generation. Come on. That's our calling. That's who we are. No matter what your age is, no matter young, old, you can still be a tipping point for something, for God to do great things. And then number three, it is time of desperate hope. So what is desperate hope? Desperate hope is when the bully gets beaten up by the passive skinny kid. When he finally realizes that, man, I've got power. Come on. 
See, it's, it's what happens when you push someone into a corner and the righteous anger overcomes them, overcomes the fear of the bully. How many of you, us have been pushed into a corner and we're just fed up? We just, I mean, there's a desperate hope. I'm desperately hoping for better. You see, so many of us are beaten up by the fear to overcome. How many of, our beat, of us are beaten up by fear every day to make a change? But see, there's a desperate hope that's growing in our hearts for this new generation. And this new generation says that I am tired of being beaten up by the devil. I'm tired of, of being beaten up by anxiety or, or, or depression or whatever is in my life or this temptation or this habit in my life. I'm tired of being beaten up by this. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to fold up, be filled up, and then I'm going to be fired up to change. And that fire is going to ignite people around me. See, if we look at some of the greatest tipping point moments in history, we see most of the people who made that tipping point happen weren't perfect. They were, some of them weren't even pretty. They were ugly. Some of them were dumb. Some of them were slow. Some of them were passive. But you know what? They made something happen. And all of them had one ingredient that made bring them to the tipping point. All of them. Now let me explain to you what it is by telling you the story. Alexander the Great. We all know who he is. Now the story is told of Alexander the Great, king of Macedonia, and the conqueror of almost all the known world. One day Alexander and a small company of soldiers approached a strongly fortified walled city. And Alexander raised his voice and demanded to see the king. When the king arrived, Alexander ordered him to surrender the city and everyone inside. So the king laughed and he said, why should I surrender to you? You can't, you can't do anything to us to harm us. But Alexander offered to give the king a demonstration. And proved to him why he should surrender. So Alexander the Great ordered his men to line up in a single file and started marching them on their way off a cliff. He marched them straight towards the cliff and, and the townspeople gathered on the wall and watched in shock silence as the soldiers, one by one, marched without hesitation straight off the cliffs to their death. After 10 soldiers died, Alexander ordered the rest of the men to return to his side. The town people and the king immediately surrendered to Alexander the Great because they realized that if a few men were actually willing to die at the command of their leader, then nothing could stop his eventual victory. Courage. There's one thing that is common with every tipping point in history, and that is courage. Do you have courage? Where's your courage to step up, to step forward, to trust God to make an impact? You see, God didn't say fearless. He said, said courageous. Why not? Because everyone had some kind of fear battling to step up and bring a tipping point. Every time God said to me to do something and I saw a miracle, man, I was afraid. But at the end of it, it was the courage that made a change. At the end of it, it was courage that led to breakthrough. They were not perfect, all these people. 
but they were courageous. At the end of it, Esther's courage saved an entire nation. And I bet she was fearful, walking into that king's chambers, knowing that the king will kill her in one moment, knowing that here she is. Maybe her beauty won't save her today. Maybe, maybe all her knowledge won't save her today. Maybe all her riches or fame or wisdom or money will save her today. Only her courage. And the king extended the scepter. She had favor with the king because she had courage to step up. There was fear, absolutely. But her, she carried more courage than fear. As I said in the beginning, that one significant thing caused the tipping point of a huge volcano to erupt even bigger, and that was magnesium crystals. Remember? Now, well, a believer's magnesium crystals is the courage to stand up. A courage to stand up when God says, go for that. To stand up with what God has given us, to do something, to make something happen in our lives. He has given us a great gift to walk in His authority, to heal the sick, to raise the dead, to cleanse the lepers. Come on, He has given us power so that we can make an impact in a generation. Come on, we can do it. You can do it. No matter how insignificant you are in your own eyes, God doesn't care. All these people had issues. All these people had insecurities. Even the apostles. Even Peter walked on the water. Denied Jesus three times. But he stood up. He had courage to go on and still see God raise a church from him. Come on. All of us can make a change. You won. You, God has given you. Parku, Patrick, all of us. I can name all your names. God has given you something to step up and erupt. And make a change and be courageous enough to say, Lord, now I'm desperate. So desperate that, I, that this, this is done. I'm fed up, I'm filled up, and I'm fired up. I'm stepping out and trust you to do this. Now is the time. Now is the time for us to see more of God. Doesn't mean you need to run into the street with your Bible swinging and shout Jesus. If you want to do it, fantastic. I'll pray for you. <laughs> but just do what God says to do. God can use us in the most insignificant times and make the most significant change. Are we willing to be courageous enough to trust Him? Can we pray together? Let's stand. Father, we thank You this morning. Thank You that as we're ending this sermon series, Father, I pray that you will impart something in our lives. And Lord, that nothing, nothing will keep us from this. Nothing. And Lord, I pray that this morning that you will ignite something in our hearts to not just waver or doubt, but to step up. I know if you're here this morning and you feel hey, but I'm afraid I don't know if I can do this I, it's a fantastic sermon, well done but I can't do this then I want to pray for you this morning 
I want to pray that God will ignite something in your heart, that, that He will ignite your heart with magnesium crystals, that crystals, that courage that will erupt this volcano with the more power and more presence that you've ever experienced in your life. If that's you, why don't you just put your hand in your heart, close your eyes, and just trust God this morning. So Father, I pray for every heart that is, that is reaching out to you at this moment, right now. Evil people listening to this sermon. Father, I pray that you will ignite something right now. Deep in our hearts that we will not step back anymore, that we will step forward. We will bring change. We will ask you. We will think about it. Lord, how can I make an impact? How can I make a change? How can I be courageous enough to do whatever you want me to do, Father? And Father, I want to release them from fear and anxiety because of this, of, of doing things. But Lord, thank you that you have taken away all performance and all work and that you've given us grace. And grace empower us to step up, to be filled up, to be fired up. May we see your grace for us, Father. May your grace empower us. But may we not be passive anymore. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. For more detail, visit www.klcstalenbosch.co.za.